Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Wednesday, so let's uh, not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you? I'm doing amazing, sir. How are you doing today? I am good. A lot to get into with you, my friend. Uh, all right, so USC is uh, facing UCLA, obviously a big uh, game there, the big rivalry game at the Coliseum, 12.30 uh, kickoff there. Last regular season game of the season. Uh, these two teams will not be in the Pac-12 championship game, so it'll be the last game for them uh, this season before uh, a possible bowl game. Um, Fredo, your thoughts on this one? Again, the team has four losses. They do have the ability to close out on a good note. It's been a frustrating season, but I think anytime USC can beat UCLA, that is uh, a good day. So uh, your thoughts on this game going into it? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big, of course, one of the biggest rivalry games throughout college football. Um, and it's going to be a very interesting one right now. So far, hopefully, you know, this is going to be Lincoln Riley's second chance at the Bruins. And, you know, he did beat them last year. So, you know, he's possibly looking to stay undefeated against the Bruins, which, you know, normally in, in any school, in, in any program you're in, when you beat your rival, um, it's always a good thing. No matter if you lose the big games, but it, the ones that really matter is always beating your, vi- your rivalry team. And, and in this case is UCLA Bruins. And, you know, UCLA and the Trojans right now both have four losses combined. Uh, the, the season was going. Both teams were ranked in the top 25. Um, later in the season, towards the second part of the season, both teams just kind of have a major collapse. And, I mean, the, the type of game that UCLA just lost against Arizona State this past weekend uh, was, was a big one. Now, I, I'm not sure how they're going to be able to stay in the game with the Trojans because the Trojans' uh, problems have been defensively and not all offensively and with UCLA it seems like it's a little bit of both and you know the offense at times just can really get get it together and USC's offense right now I'm very surprised the game is opening up at a seven point favorite I don't see this being a seven point spread here between these two teams I can see uh the Trojans winning by double touchdowns here uh, but it's definitely going to be an experience you know it is a 12 30 kickoff not a lot of people are excited about that one there <laughs> a lot of people wanted a little more time there but it is going to be an interesting game um that game will be on ABC on Saturday afternoon. What is the reason that you think that USC will uh, perhaps win handily again? I, I was surprised at the way UCLA played last week at the Rose Bowl against the uh, Sun Devils. Is that the reason why you're thinking um, that it may uh, not be a close game? 
Yeah, I mean, it's because of their offense. And, and especially, look, we couldn't really see the defense. You know, this was the first time we see uh, this USC defense without Alex Grinch. And we can still say, well, okay, they gave up uh, 36 points. 36 points is nowhere near what they've been giving up over the past few weeks. There yeah. were a few adjustments out there. There was plenty of adjustments that uh, USC did. Um, and they were able to just stay in the game. You know, if maybe the interception would not have gone through for, or I mean, the fumble from Kayla Williams and certain um, three and outs. I mean, this team could have pretty much stood in the game. I mean, I'm not sure what the call situation was there with Lincoln Riley uh, late in the game. And he called, uh, he ended up going for two earlier uh, when he could have just gone for the extra point and tried to fight and maintain his, uh, maintain the, uh, keep the, his team in the game. Uh, but knowing that he missed a two point conversion kind of led him at a nine point, uh, disadvantage so it kind of really didn't give them that wiggle room to try to compete in the in the last part so that was like a little little decision making there from Lincoln Riley well he he mentioned after the game he said well look we're just trying to uh, you know ride with the momentum we had we we knew we were on a hot streak so we're just trying to use that and apparently you know they, they missed the opportunity but getting the USC getting some few defensive players back this week of course Eric Gentry did not play in this game which he was a big uh a big piece because lately over the last three games, even though, um, you know, they've given up a lot of points, Eric Gentry has been a big defensive player out there making big stops. And, you know, of course, we can look at some of the big stops he made uh, with that one lonely victory at Cal. But uh, USC will get some players back in Caleb Williams, whether it's going to be his last game or not. I mean, that is a question that maybe I would like to, you know, get an answer for uh, later this week at USC practice. But um, he's going to give it his all. He's going to give it his all. Um, USC seems to have no problems on the offensive end. Um, and hopefully if the defense can, uh, again, hold him down to at least 25 points or so, um, USC should come out with a humongous victory here. Right. What would be Caleb Williams's motivation to come back? And I only bring that up because I think financially, yes, I think players now can make money through the NIL. Uh, you know, he's got some commercials, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a quarterback who's going to be the first overall pick in the draft. Um, I don't think at USC he's making anywhere near what he would make. Um, my my belief is that, like, even if they had a tremendous season, like, even if he was the favorite to win back-to-back Heisman and they were in the college football uh, playoff picture, like, like, this is it for him. What, what from, again, you, you've covered him, you've been at all the practices, and, post-game press conferences. What do you think, if there is a glimmer of hope, and me personally, I don't think there is, why would Caleb Williams come back? I mean, let alone not winning the national championship and not being able to win this conference here. Of course, that was the initial part of Lincoln Riley and him coming over here, thinking they were going to be able to have some very good success. And of course, you know, last year they did have good success, uh, did not finish um, all the way as they should have. I mean, looking at the seat at both seasons right now. Last season was maybe their best season, even though Lincoln Riley talks about this season being better than last season, even though the record does not show, but he feels like this season is better. But I think Caleb, at the end of the day, yeah, the, the financial part, the money situation um, is not so different compared to the NFL right now. Of course, if we're talking about 2005, I would say he would have been gone last season, <laughs> um, especially with the amount of money that he's getting the chance to make right now with all the NIL deals. But, you know, 
I'm sure he is looking, he is going to go to the NFL next season. I'm not sure if he's going to really consider staying, but the only thing that would make me feel that he might stay is, you know, he wants to win a national championship. I, I, I think that's the only thing. And, and maybe next season, of course, uh, getting some new recruits uh, for the, for this Trojans 2024 season, um, some new players coming in and maybe, you know, um, getting them to gel well together over this offseason. They can maybe put a, a great product next season out there. And whether Caleb wants to wait and of course, you know, I'm not sure if it was true what, what his father was saying early in the season was like, well, hey, look, um, he doesn't want to go to the Cardinals. Maybe he doesn't want to go to the Bears. Um, the Giants have a, a possibility of getting a, a tough pick. Like, does he want to go to the Giants? Maybe so. I mean, that is a good market out there. I mean, the best market, you can say. Um, and he can definitely go out there and have some success. But um, at the end of the day, it's going to it's going to lie on on. Kayla Williams' hands and whether he wants to leave or he wants to stay. But, of, of course, uh, you can look at it and maybe he, this is his last game of his Trojan career. Well, listen, uh, a little bit of positive news, and there wasn't a ton when you lose. But, again, when, you, when they went up to Eugene, Fredo, when USC yeah. went up to play the Ducks, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, worst-case scenario, they're going to get blown out. I mean, we're talking about the week prior to the USC game. The mm -hmm. Ducks beat Cal 63-19, to 19. and I'm thinking, man, we're talking about one of the worst defenses in all of college football at USC. But anyway, so they moved from Grinch, um, and the defense, again, just comparatively to what they've done this season, played very well. They not only held them to under 40 points, they held them to 36 points, and again, that should give USC a chance to win. You're thinking USC with Caleb Williams, can generally find a way to score 36 or more points. They didn't. They, they only scored 27. But losing by just nine points, um, again, there's no consolation prizes here. A loss is a loss. But when you look at the way that they've played defensively this year, um, this has to give you some hope. What did you see differently about this defense? Again, Fredo, we touched on it. It's basic. It's the same scheme and the same players. You're, 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 you're not going to change a ton. But what did you see that gives you some hope that things could be different with USC on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, I, I think it's, it's commitment. I mean, I, I felt like the the coaches, you know, uh, to Brian Odom and Sean Nua, it seemed like they really put a, a decent game plan together to kind of, you know, uh, put these players in the right positions, even though, you know, and I, I did talk a little bit about Mason Cobb over the last few weeks in regards, you know, him kind of calling out his teammates and being like, hey, you know, there there are different types of players when they're in practice and when we're at the games and they, they don't perform the same way they do. And, you know, Mason Cobb right now, he, he leads the Trojans and the most missed tackles. Um, and there was two tackle situations that he missed against his Oregon team that could have stopped this Oregon team from expanding those ex explosive plays that it has always been an issue for this Trojan defense all season long. And, you know, Mason Cobb has been, you know, uh, one of the most um, I, I outspoken players uh, on this defensive side, you know, being at practice and getting a chance to speak with them every time. Um, he, he's, he's always available for us and he's always talking about the defense and you know one thing I did appreciate from Brian Odom when he was talking to us last week was like he was he's like you know what I'm gonna hold every player accountable and he kind of emphasized on that a lot and I'm 
guessing, you know, maybe Alex Drench not hold his players accountable. He was really not, uh, you know, motivating them to the level that they should be. Because if you don't motivate these players heading into into um, into week, uh, game day, they're not going to be all there. So especially when when your when your defensive coordinator is getting crushed in the media, and you know, there's just so much pressure on the defense. Like if it felt like this past week. Players were motivated. Players were committing to their roles and understanding what their job is out there. Um, that's a little difference that I saw out there. Of course, there were a few players missing. Of course, we we had no um, no Jalen Smith as well, um, no uh, Gentry and no and Jacoby as well. C- Covington, he's been a, a big piece for that defense as well. And you know, I, I you can definitely see the defense right now. They should. F- I mean. You, you, you mentioned, it was funny because you mentioned this weeks ago. Should they move on from Grinch now? And I think we talked about this about five weeks ago or so, five, six weeks ago. And they should have made this move back then. I, I, this, you know, at the end of the day, it lies on Lincoln Riley. This, if this move would have been done weeks ago, this Trojan team could have maybe been fighting for a conference championship right now. Uh, but the move was just, you know, a little too late right there. But the defense has a lot to improve, but they are, they looked a lot better than they did in the first nine weeks. Exactly. And I think at, at this point, all you can hope for is improvement. If USC's offense shows up, if the defense that showed up last week shows up, I, I do think USC has a chance to beat UCLA. And like you said, any decisive uh, fashion. All right, let's switch gears to uh, the Chargers. Again, we talked about it last week, Fredo. This has been a very um, herky-jerky team. Two losses, two wins, two losses, two wins. They follow up two back-to-back wins with, again, a loss to the Detroit Lions at home. SoFi Stadium defense did not look good. Brandon Staley put that on himself and the defense. Now they go to Green Bay to uh, play the Packers. That, that, that at least looks to me on paper to be a loss. Um, what did you see about this team uh, against Detroit that has you concerned? I mean, we... <laughs> Uh, you know, Justin Herbert played a remarkable game. I mean, he had four touchdowns. He had that one interception early in the first half, you know, th- throwing for 323 yards as well. You know, uh, coming off that, you know, 130-some yard game at on Monday Night Football. And you, you, you look at the defense, you know, allowing 41 points, and it seems like, you know, the defense can show up the you know, six days prior to Sunday, they gave up only six points on Monday Night Football. Therefore, you go from six points to giving up 41 points. It's kind of like, okay, well, what's the problem here? Yeah, you know, Jared Goff, you got to give him some credit. He came into SoFi Stadium, made some big throws, two touchdowns, 333 yards, kind of identical to Justin Herbert. And it was a battle. You know, they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, at the end of the day, yes, Jared Goff did make the, you know, the late run in, in the fourth quarter, which allowed them to, you know, Know, to win the game there with by a field goal but when you look at you know Brandon Staley right now and that's another problem there you you, you kind of see two good games you see some more some bad losses you see some good games it's just so inconsistent with this type of team this type of roster you have defensive players out there uh Joey Bosa Khalil Mack Derwin James Asante Samuel Jr um you know a newly acquired Eric Hendricks you have talent on that defensive side of the ball you should not be allowing more than 28 points Mm -hmm. and especially when you are considered a defensive mind coach 
you know, when you're a defensive mind coach, you got to make sure that this team is is gelling together on all cylinders every single game. Like if you're trying to win, especially after last year's meltdown, you know, after last year's meltdown, you expect them to be a lot better, improve dramatically. But it just seems like, okay, well, you know, well, what's really the problem? And, you know, at the end of the day, you can look at multiple faces of the game, but, you know, the, everything lies on the head coach. And it's not like Herbert is making a lot of bad decisions out there. Um, there's a few games that he has not been playing well. And, you know, I'm always out there, you know, speaking about that. But right now, it's really, you know, you can point fingers at so many players or, or people in that organization. But, you know, a lot of it can lie on Tom Telesco, maybe not making a, a move during the trade deadline, which something should have made done um, because this team really needed to improve two weeks ago. And you look at the team right now, um, like, at four and five under 500 in November. I mean, there's kind of no hope right now for the Chargers to make the playoffs this season. What, what has to happen in terms of trying to think like, like, like what kind of a coach do you think can, can turn this team around? Because I, I, I do agree with you um, in the sense that I don't think the Chargers are going to make a move in season. I think they'll be just good enough in terms of this, two win, two loss thing where they're going to be about 500. They're not going to pull the plug. I don't think Kellen Moore is, is the guy. Um, I think the most the fascinating question, and you brought up his name, Tom Telesco. I, I can't imagine the Chargers allowing him to hire his fourth uh, coach. Uh, generally speaking, like you look at what happened in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Dave Ziegler got let go along with the coach. So, um, is there a coach out there? A lot of people are talking about Jim Harbaugh, for example. I think he's basically done with the college game after this season's over. Is there a coach out there that you would like to see the Chargers hire? I mean, right now, you, you look at... Yeah, there are some interesting um, coaches out there right now, but... You know, it's it's going to be a very difficult situation to see what kind of I, I'm not sure, I'm sure they got to uh, consult with Justin Herbert first yeah. and be like, hey, like, what what do you feel like? What what do you like out there? Um, the relationship with him and Kellen Moore this season has been very good. Um, they talk about each other all the time. How they you know they're talking every single day, texting, talking on the phone. Um, and it, it was very rare for me to hear. It was I, I believe after the Tennessee loss in week two when he kind of talked. You know, I was listening to Herbert talk uh, during the press conference and he's, you know, giving all the flowers to Kellen Moore. He's talking about Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore this, Kellen Moore that, Kellen has done this for me. Um, and not saying that maybe he's not giving no credit to Brandon Staley, but there is a pretty good connection there. And knowing how this Chargers organization runs, they are going to try to save money. They are not going to want to spend money. Um the ideal kind of move that they would most likely do is, yeah, maybe pushing uh, Kellen Moore as the head coach at the end of the season. I don't think they'll do some change right now um, unless they're going to do the same thing that USC did <laughs> two weeks before the season ends. We're going to fire one of the coaches and then, you know, try to see if we can uh, make something happen. Yeah, because they still have the opportunity right now. They have the opportunity to make a wild card uh, a slot. Yeah. Um, they maybe have a wiggle room to maybe lose two more games. So you lose three games, you're kind of out of that picture right now 
but right now, looking at the standings, you're you're next to Denver. Like, how can you be next to Denver right now? Like <laughs> at four wins, it's just ridiculous. You see the way Denver started the season, and the way you know also the Chargers starting zero and zero and two. Um, but you know, right now, I think the best fit would just most likely be Kellen Moore that would fit for that team right now, financially wise as well. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the big thing. You know, if if that makes the most sense to them. And they believe that 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 this guy has the confidence of of uh, of Justin Herbert. And I do think when Kellen Moore was hired, there was this feeling that you know if Brandon Staley things don't work out for him, you know maybe Kellen Moore um, could be the guy. So we'll see how all that uh, pans out. Real quick, Fredo, before we uh, close out, uh, if you have a score prediction for us uh, for USC. UCLA, you touched on it. You think it'll be a uh, two-touchdown win for the Trojans? I think that would that would be the first time this season USC fans would be smiling and happy <laughs> like as they leave the game. But uh, your uh, score prediction, if you have one. Yeah, you know what? Um, talking about that game, looking, I was uh, I was just so surprised seeing a seven point spread on this game, and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to be nowhere near that. I mean, if we're <laughs> talking about being at the Rose Bowl, then maybe that you know he can kind of take that into consideration. But looking at this game, I can see uh, USC putting up about 45 points and 28 points by UCLA. All I can right. see this being a 45 to 28 point game here, um, and you know it is senior night for some of these seniors for the Trojans. Uh, a lot of you know sad USC fans that would, you know, are going to go ahead and take over uh, the Coliseum early in the afternoon. Yeah. So there is going to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, just excitement around the Coliseum, just seeing that it's going to be the last game. And hopefully whether it is Kayla Williams last game yeah. as a Trojan or not, but I can kind of see 45 to 28 right there. Love that score. Awesome. Fredo. We will catch up with you next week and follow you. For all the updates during the game, uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Lauren Jones when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s from California, the Bet in Las Vegas of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to get in uh, or want to go to a game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's uh, head back out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. By the way, Circus Sports uh, is where you can watch uh, the big Las Vegas Grand Prix. If you don't want to deal with the hubbub of the Las Vegas Strip, uh, go watch the race over there at Stadium Swim. 
or the world's largest sports book there at Circa. Um, let's head out to the Circa Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm great, Arash. How are you? I'm amazing. A lot to get into with you, my friend. Yes. Um, maybe let's start here, just because uh, we had Fredo Cervantes on to talk about USC. Uh, we are obviously fellow uh, Trojans here. Uh, has not been the uh, season that we both thought it could be, but... You know, you they have the ability to close out the season strong uh, by beating UCLA at the Coliseum uh, in what I fully expect to be Caleb Williams' last game at USC. Um, your thoughts on kind of this season? And uh, you know, listen, if, if if they beat UCLA, I mean, uh, obviously that, that that's a good way to like end the season, and then we'll see what bowl game they go to, but. Your thoughts on USC, Lauren, as we go into this uh, big rivalry game on Saturday at the Coliseum? Yeah, Arash, I think, you know, it would be a little bit of redemption for SC if they're able to pull off this game against the crosstown rivals in UCLA. Um, and especially with this being what we would pretty much almost bet on, uh, it being Caleb Williams' last game yeah. uh, as a trophy. And so, you know, I know that he was pretty emotional after losing that homecoming game uh, at the Coliseum a few weeks back. And so, you know, to fast forward and, you know, hopefully end on a high note, at least with the regular season, um, before we see which bowl game they attend, <clears throat> excuse me, I think would be just uh, a better ending to what was a, a very strange season, to be <laughs> honest, Arash. I don't think anybody really expected it to, to have all these ebbs and flows, but I mean, you know, it's as they say, any given Sunday, any given Saturday. Um, and so I think uh, when we started the season off, there was high expectations. You know, the Trojans were ranked um, highly. And obviously they had the rating Heisman winner and Caleb Williams. And there was just a lot of talent, what we thought, at least on the offensive side. And then uh, surely, slowly but surely, after those first few games, you started to see um, kind of the collapse, especially with the defense getting exposed. And then there was just kind of this dumpster fire happening for a while with, you know, the defensive coordinator. Um, and I think what you pointed out, which we didn't get to talk about last week, was just um, how late that came. I mean, yeah. that happened quite a while ago. And so um, there's, you know, that issue. There was like Lincoln Riley having to take some time away you know, um, injuries. I mean, there's just a mirage of things that just happen throughout the season, which you expect, you know, uh, a little bit of drama, at, at, you know, at SC, especially with that program. But um, given the, the, the hype going into the season, I don't think we expected it to end up in the way that it has. But such is, you know, such is life. We move on, um, move forward. And hopefully one of the, the teams that need them, uh, need Caleb Williams right there at, at the end of the um, the NFL season will will he'll land in a good place and um, you know go on to have a great and prosperous career uh, in the pros. But yeah, I, I'm you know hoping that the, the fifty you know uh, that's uh, right you know right where we had that that maybe that that we run it back um, you know for Caleb's last game send you it know, off well. But yeah, you you bring up a great point with the defense and and I mean I thought the only bright spot with the way that the season finished a year ago was that. There was enough there for uh, Lincoln Riley to fire Grinch, or at least, listen, have a sit-down mm -hmm. conversation with his longtime friend mm -hmm. and say, hey, man, this isn't a good look. Like, 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 like you can yeah. give up. You can give up over 500 yards and over 46 points, uh, like, in September or October or something like that. 
You can't be doing that in the Pac-12 championship game when we have a college football playoff berth on the line. You can't be doing that in the Cotton Bowl where, you know, this is a New York New York, yes. New York Six Bowl game. So, um, but but they didn't do that. And, Lauren, they, they just waited too long, and they've wasted a really a, a great do- chance to be a, a college football a playoff team. And, and without Caleb, yeah. I, I don't know if, if they're going to be in contention a year from now. I mean, how surprising was that? That they not only brought back Grinch, but they stuck with him for as long as they did. It was very surprising, given that we've seen, you know, um, with coordinators and with head coaches in the past, but they have, uh, you know, the athletic directors previously have not had any issues with, you know, hey, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. the last game. You know, uh, send them packing or leave them on the tarmat, as we, you know, heard or yeah. before. So um, it, it was surprising that after... I can't remember which game it was, but there was one game in which, uh, oh, I think it was the Arizona State game mm. um, in which they they scored, you know, I don't know what it was, but like 26 points in, in two in a quarter. And then we were just like, okay, well, what's going on? You mm-hmm. know, that to me is the, those games where um, it shouldn't ever be that close uh, with a team that it shouldn't ever be that close against. Those are the, the times in which you have to really just, like pull the trigger and I understand that there's relationships and things happening behind the scenes that we're not really as privy to, but um, relationships, you know, are, are very important in this, in this industry. But at the same time, you know, understanding that, you know, this is, this is guys careers on the line. This is, you know, young players that you're, you know, sacrificing um, for, you know, whatever the names are, you know, trying to save face. And so, I think that there was definitely a, a couple of times during the earlier part of the season where you could tell that this defense wasn't where it needed to be and that they needed to make that move a lot earlier to save the season uh, for what it could have been and the prospect of what it could have been. Yeah, and now it's you know now it's too, too late and then and we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see. I mean, again, hopefully, hopefully they uh, close out the season with a uh, victory over UCLA and uh, maybe go to a decent bowl game. But we'll see about yeah. that. Okay, switching gears uh, to, to the team that you cover so well, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, your thoughts on them? I mean, they're finally getting healthier. I mean, I I really wasn't uh, concerned with a few hiccups uh, here and there. Uh, yeah, you don't want to get blown out by Houston. I get it, but you know they they, they they've not been healthy. Finally looking like they are getting healthier, uh, Laura. Your thoughts on the Lakers so far this season? Yes, and Arash, before we, we move on to the illustrious Lakers um, <laughs> who are on a two-game winning streak, I do want to mention that you know, shout-outs to Juju Smith-Schuster and Isaiah Collier because they were both respectively named Pac-12 Men's and Women's uh, Player of the Week. So, um, you know, as we, we look ahead to basketball season and we're kind of you know, right. transitioning, uh, I think that there's a lot to be said and a lot to look forward to with, with those two teams. Um, very exciting. So, um, but turning over to the Lakers, I think. Really yes, quick, by the way, Lauren, uh, Juju, Juju Watkins and USC women's basketball back in the top 10 for the first time since I think back in the nineties, it's been, it's been a long time. So I, I, I am right there with you. We are going to be talking a ton of college hoops this season. So very excited for both of those teams. Definitely. Definitely exciting. And, uh, you know, shout outs to her for what she was able to do for her first. I mean, this women's basketball, college basketball in general has been very exciting for this first, you know, few weeks, uh, opening week. So, um, lots to look forward to there, but um, yeah, turning back to the Lakers, I would say, Arash, this is there was you know the first through the first few games, ten games, you know, you're you're thinking, okay, 
guys are dropping like flies. It's, you know, and it, it might, some of them are like smaller, you know, or, or less serious injuries. And then some of them are like Jared Vanderbilt, who we haven't seen all season. And so um, to hear that, uh, and let me quote properly, that he is uh, returning and being reevaluated. He has been reevaluated by the, the Lakers team doctors. And so he will um, return to play progression. Um, and that's exciting news for Lakers fans, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, uh, for the team as well to just, you know, because he, I think to start the season when uh, they announced that Torian Prince was going to be uh, that fifth starter, uh, many people expected for Jared Vanderbilt to be in that position um, to start the season and then he wasn't available. And so um, we're seeing him, you know, slowly but surely get back to um, some like to, to the level of health that he needs to be able to to play in his debut game, which will be exciting. But also to have Rui Hachimura back um, was a big uh, addition. And, you know, there's there's been some some bright spots with LeBron James uh, sideline uh, on in Sunday's contest. Uh, I think it was uh, not surprising, but I think it was encouraging that that we saw that the Lakers were able to pull off a win, um, you know, to extend their home winning streak uh, to 4-0. And, you know, uh, especially with this in-season tournament, not knowing how that was going to go. But, you know, obviously they played it just like any other game. Um, and so uh, this is going to be an interesting stretch as they have an opportunity um, to uh, really, like, continue to get healthy and to continue to add the pieces back into the fold so we can really see what they're made of. And then there's going to be a bigger evaluation, you know, as we head into the holidays and some of these bigger games that are marquee games throughout the season. But I'm very encouraged by, uh, you know, the play of Anthony Davis, um, even though he had, you know, a little bit of a hiccup a few games uh, prior. And, um, you know, also uh, with with the play of, of like I said, uh, Cam Reddish is yeah. another player that I think has really been coming along. He struggled uh, to begin the season uh, shooting-wise, but he um, was making that up on the defensive end. But now we've started to see that he's gotten a lot more comfortable with this team. We've seen him have shots fall, bigger shots, and, and for him to talk about you know, how important it was to get the vote of confidence from his teammates, from LeBron, um, you know, even after that uh, one game in which they fell to the Kings, uh, you know, when he was like, it was close to the, the corner three that he missed. Um, and so there was a lot of criticism against him, but since then he's been really good for them and consistent and giving them some, um, you know, b better depth on the offensive end. So I think that there's some, some very encouraging things that we've seen in the progression. I wasn't nervous really either, Arash, to be honest. I felt like, you know, when you're when you only have like eight players available that you know you don't really know what you're going to have or, or six players available for one of the games you know um and so it's important that uh you know people I, la fans get really overhyped and <laughs> you know right. like um they can overreact sometimes but i do think that we're seeing them come together and it, it's really encouraging to see some of these pieces like you know Austin Reeves has had a couple of good games now where he's able to get his rhythm back on the offensive and get his confidence back it's just a matter of putting the pieces together and making sure that the rotations are strong and that everybody kind of knows their role so I think we're, we're seeing that more so now
you t- you tweeted about it, but uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on the court? I, I, I 100% agree with you. A lot of these NBA in-season tournament courts have been weird. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that makes it weird is that the non-paint where the wood's supposed to be is either blue or purple or red or something where you, I mean, at least it's a little bit more normal with the Lakers. Your thoughts on their in-season tournament court? Yeah, I think, like I said, Arash, I've been very distracted by a lot of these courts. I'm like, you know, obviously there's the whole thing about basketball is like the hardwood. And it's like, well, I can't even see the hardwood for a lot of these courts. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, it's, I don't know how the players feel about it. Um, but I think at least because of the Lakers colors, it's like uh, not as dramatic or <laughs> drastic as some of these other ones. Like the Bulls, like having the all red, you know, it's like, or um, yeah. even when the Lakers played the Suns, having the, the purple was very distracting uh, and the color waves. I'm just, it's a lot, you know? Um, I mean, I think, you know, this is the first uh, inaugural and season tournament, this is the inaugural and season tournament. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they come up with these ideas, but at least for the Lakers, it's not as crazy. Um, and I think it's um, the the city jerseys are going to be cool to see uh, in person, uh, you know, or, or were cool to see in person. But the court is it's interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit on the Clippers just because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, listen, I, I've, always rooted for guys who, who, who come back home, whether that's Russell, yes. now James Harden. You know, this mm-hmm. is the best collection of four locally born talent that we've seen on the same team. Um, I think they'll figure it out to what extent, like, is, is this a good team, a championship, championship team or whatnot? I'm not sure. But, Lauren, since they've made this trade, they've lost five straight games. Your thoughts on the Clippers and, and, and do you think that they can figure it out, I guess? Well, Arash, I think anything's possible, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> in theory, but um, how it's looked uh, through the, since James Harden has joined, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And, you know, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of, of both actually James Harden and Russ. I think they're probably two of the most criticized players um, of our generation, you know, with this, like uh, adding in LeBron to that mix and a couple of others that are all in LA yeah. um, now. But, but I think that for James, it's like, well, you know, I think about my friend group. Right. And so for a while I was, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that it was like, Oh, I, I might be the problem. You know, I might be the toxic <laughs> yeah. you know, and I feel like for him there, there might be the, that, um, a moment where it's like maybe I am, you know, part of the issue. Um, if it's everybody else, it's you, you know that phrase. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I think that obviously, like I said, uh, um, people just want something to react to, and so maybe this is an overreaction, and maybe they will figure it out. Um, it is still early; it's a few games in uh, with him joining the team, but how they've looked through these few games, it doesn't. Yeah, like I said before, it doesn't look good. I don't know what your thoughts are from what you've seen um, from this team because they, on paper, they have so much talent, you know, yeah. uh, and they have they they have a group of guys that have been together for uh, you know at least a few seasons. And so I want I'm curious to know what you think about well, uh, this team and how they look. You know, I I, I think one or. Two of, I mean, and when I say that, James Harden or Russell Westbrook needs to come off the bench. That's not even a 
question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why they're trying to shoehorn four of those guys into the starting lineup. The problem there is, and we've seen, we saw this with the Lakers, that when you want Russ to be Russ, or you want James Harden to be James Harden, and you go down the list, they can't be themselves on this type of a team. And so right. um, p- perhaps if James Harden is on the second unit, he could be himself. Um, there, there, there's, there's just a lot of guys on the team right now that, that are trying to figure out their roles. And I do believe that they will. I, the, and, and it really comes to, to my uh, trust in Ty Lu um, being a very good head coach and that he'll figure it out. But yeah, Lauren, is that they begin this season or, or, or they had the continuity of the way the season ended a year ago. They have a players only, uh, you know, camp in Vegas. They go to training camp in Hawaii. They had preseason. They were three and one to start the season. They were gelling. And then you take a sledgehammer to that team and, and you really kind of start from scratch there. And you don't have some of the glue guys that I thought were so key to their success or could have been key to their success in Covington and Batum. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think they'll figure it out. I think what's going to happen is they're, they're going to put themselves in a position where they are going to be in that play in tournament. Uh, not, not, yeah. Yeah. In a play in tournament mm-hmm. where, you know, I think if fully healthy and if they had not made any moves, you know, maybe they're a top four seed. Now they're a bottom you know, seed. And so yeah. it'll be really tough for them. Um, let's close out on this with the Rams. Again, they, they had the bye week uh, coming back home against a divisional rival who they beat to start the season in uh, Seattle. Stafford is expected to come back. Uh, last yes. two minutes with you, the Rams, your thoughts on the Rams, not only this upcoming Sunday, Lauren, but this season, where do you think they are um, at right now? Yeah, I mean, halfway through the season, Arash, I think um, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time for them. Um, And I think to get Matthew Stafford back will be huge for the Rams to, you know, compete. Obviously, they um, waived Brett Ripon, the uh, quarterback, the uh, the backup quarterback, and signed Carson Wentz. I'm not sure how um, much it will be needed if Matthew Stafford is able to stay healthy. But uh, I do think that they have some other players coming back into the fold uh, in Byron Young, or sorry, in Ernest Young, rather, and Bobby Brown and Rob Havenstein. So these are some of the key, like, key players, key pieces to their team um, that in those big games where they were close and, you know, kind of um, lost late in the games, but the, these are players that are, are impact players that can really help them um, with a game like Seattle. And I think that that would just get them back on the right track. Um you know, they had some struggles leading into that bye week. And so, um, you know, one of the demoralizing, most demoralizing losses to the Cowboys uh, at Jerry's World. Uh, and then, so, but but this, if you look ahead, they have uh, the Seahawks, they have the Cardinals. Um, and so these are, I think, winnable games, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then they have the Browns, which could go either way, but still um, potentially winnable games. So um, I'm, I'm, Encouraged by the their, their strength of schedule leading into uh, the you know the, the second half of the season, I think they have some uh, ability to to win games and uh, and get back on the right track, uh, back in the winning column. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be good to get 
Stafford back. It was very clear that they did not have a backup. And by the way, it's very interesting to see Carson Wentz on the Rams. Uh, uh, there was a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of talk back in the day whether they should select Goff or Wentz. But now they got Wentz. Uh, Lauren, you're the best. We will have you back on very soon, my friend. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markaz who's saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.